Ruach Conference is October 24th through the 26th. Join with pastors and leaders as we gather for equipping during the day with labs and teaching sessions and encountering his presence at night. Bishop T.D. Jakes from the Potter's House, Dallas, Texas, will be joining us along with Joseph Garlington, Tony Miller, William McDowell, Jim Raley, and Pastors Kevin and Devin Wallace. You can register now at RuachConference.com. Help me welcome my friend, Dr. Barry Stone, as he comes to preach today. Love you, buddy. Yes, sir. Lord, you can be seated. Thank you so much for your kind words. And yes, he was 10 and I was 12. <laughs> when I hear somebody say, I heard you preach when I was a kid, and I'm hearing that more and more, it's like something's happening. <laughs> We're honored to be here. Uh, I was I looking at the sanctuary you remodeled. This looks fantastic. And I want to I give honor to Pastor and his wife and family and, of course, the wonderful staff here. And I was thinking as he was talking about the converging the ministries and streams, uh, it's so wonderful to come up in a time when I was able to live to see that there would be a generation of no competition. And what I mean by that is when I was growing up, churches stuck to themselves, denominations stayed among themselves. Pastors of the same denominations would not even support somebody else's meeting, nor encourage anyone to attend. And uh, so I want you to know, and I'll say this publicly, that not only is Kevin Wallace a very dear friend, but we have people from OCI Fellowship who attend here on Sunday. We have people from here that come up every Tuesday and kind of hang out with us and there is no competition, no spirit of competition. We are in, we are kingdom brothers. Kingdom brothers. And I am so I'm so refreshed. I've got folks from OCI here today, some of them first time brother and I wanted them to check this church out because we love you and appreciate what you're doing. If you'll give me two and a half minutes I'll be ready to preach. If Robbie will come we did not bring a lot of material. I asked him to bring what was on manifest. Greatest thing I ever did in 42 years of preaching was produce a DVD called The Apocalypse Made Easy. <laughs> and I've got more comments on this. It's studying the book of Revelation, but it's, it's simplifying the whole thing. And more people have said, I've never understood it till now. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So you may want to get that. This is so new. It's not even been offered on our telecast yet. Ancient symbols and prophetic parables revealing Christ's return. This is a two-hour teaching, and I want to take you to the four major parables that have all kinds of clues and mysteries and word studies in them that most people have never heard taught. I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, this is another one called the Discover Discovering the Prophetic Seasons We're In, Spirits Battling Your Children, Strange Mysteries Connected to the Rapture, When Earthly Time and Prophecy co uh, Collides, Discerning the Times and Seasons We're In. That's available. And I love this right here. This is called Experiencing the Glory of God, The Mystery of How Your, your Spirit Prays to God. And on DVD, um, CD, I'm sorry, too, I was in Hamilton, Ohio, and I walked in and turned to Robbie, and I said, The Angel of the Lord is here. And Robbie had heard me say that before, but it was the first time he felt that angel come. And when he comes, there's, it's happened about, what, eight times maybe, six, eight times. And he, the, the service shifted. I did not use a note, and we got into a zone of preaching that I had not gotten to in years. And uh, Sid Roth heard this, and he actually offered it on his television program. He said, I've never heard anything like this in my life. You know, I think you know who Sid is. We give God the glory for that. But it talks about experiencing the glory of God. 
And when I left, I had to get on the plane. Hundreds of people were on their face and the glory of God. They, it's like they got glued to the floor. Oh, I felt the Holy Ghost right there. Glory to God, I'm about to do something today. I got to preach. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Luke, Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to look at verse 31 and 32. And as we get ready to go there, I'm going to deal with the subject of what happens when your faith begins to fail. And faith fails when circumstances are altered. And faith fails or becomes weak when prayers do not go the way we anticipate. Have you ever prayed for someone sick and they died? Have you ever prayed for a financial breakthrough and you lost your job? Have you ever started tithing and you got a cut in your pay? Have you ever prayed for a uh, someone in an accident and it was a relative and they passed or a child went early? I could give you all kinds of examples about these particular type of things. And, and when it happens, listen to me carefully, it is easy to change your theology to accommodate the tragedy. And by that, I mean that now God doesn't heal everybody because I have an experience that shows me counter to what I have been raised. Uh, God doesn't financially bless everybody because although 10 people had pay raises, I lost mine. Therefore, my theology must change to answer a question I have concerning why it did not work out. We're going to show you a man whose faith failed, and we're going to do some word studies on this that I believe are going to help you. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Now, the King James, what, from which I usually read, says, Satan has desired you that he may sift you as wheat. But somebody say, thank God for the but. <laughs> Because every time you get in trouble, God will put a butt right in there. Come on, somebody. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when I'm going to show you an, uh, what, what, is, what uh, is almost a contradiction in this statement. I prayed that your faith wouldn't fail. And when you have converted or returned to me, the King James says converted, strengthen your brethren. My attention is drawn to the fact that the Lord has gone back to his previous name that he was born with, that he had when he was called as a disciple into the ministry. As you may know, his name was called Simon. And Simon is a beautiful name. And there's different etymologies as to the root of the word Simon and what it means. And it can actually mean a reed by the water that blows as the wind blows. It, it actually can imply a sense of occasional instability. And you see that in Simon's life from time to time. He wants to walk on water, but he ends up sinking. They're fussing about who is the greatest in the kingdom. I'll not deny you, and he does. And so the Lord saw something in him for his future. So he changes his name to Peter, which is Petros in Greek. And Petros actually means a little stone. Now, in the imagery I'm painting before you, there is a difference between something which is easily blown, but I have never seen a blowing wind 
overturn a rock. Now, there can be hurricanes and tornadoes, don't get me wrong, but the average wind does not move even the gravels on the sidewalk. So my point is that Jesus saw something in him. And in the Bible, the moment he is called and he travels with Jesus in the traveling ministry, he's called Peter. He's called the little rock. He's called the little pebble, the little stone. He has got some, some stability now. But I call your attention to the fact that Jesus sees something about to happen and he does not say, Peter, Peter. He goes back to the previous identity and says, Simon, Simon. Satan has desired you to sift or shake or move you again. And uh, the law of Scripture is very unique on God calling your name twice, if you've ever paid attention. Abraham, Abraham, Jacob, Jacob, Saul, Saul, Simon, Simon. There's a law or principle, I should say, in the Scripture when God calls your name twice. When God calls your name twice, there's two things that are evident. Number one, God is getting your attention because by calling it twice, he's telling you, listen carefully and pay attention because I am about to tell you something. But the root of why he calls your name twice is a word summed up in transition. Every time in the Bible when God called somebody's name twice, he was telling them, you're about to get a transition from the place that you now are to a place that's going to be different than what you're accustomed to. Saul, Saul, you've been a Pharisee, but you're about to become a preacher. Abraham, Abraham, you've been barren, but you're about to become a daddy. Simon, Simon, you've been solid, but you're about to be shaken again. I wish somebody in this, help, in this house would track with me for just a little bit while I lay the foundation. Now, what Jesus knew was coming goes deeper than what we read in the English translation of the Bible. For when we read the story or the narrative of Simon Peter, who was by the fire warming himself and they realized that he was there in the garden with Jesus and they say, we know you. He says, no, you don't. The second time they say, you're one of his. He says, I am not. The third time they say, not only are you one of his, but you know him and you follow him. Now the Bible tells you that Simon cursed and said, I do not deny the man. Now in the Western mindset the word curse means to cuss and all my life I could see Simon saying a cuss word and we know that some of the words used today were not necessarily words used back then so I could never figure out what did he say that would be a cuss word I don't think he would take God's name in vain I don't think he would do that no but then I start looking at the Greek. Oh, you better go. You better help me preach right here when I tell you this. And Mark 14, seven, uh, 14 verse 70. And most scholars say that Mark was the first gospel writer and the others gained their knowledge from Mark. So Mark was familiar. This is heavy. Are you ready for something heavy? When it says, and he cursed and said, I do not know him. 
The Greek word used by Mark is anathema. It's not a word for using a negative statement or we would say profanity. So what Peter did, and this gets deep, is he anathemed himself. Now what does it mean when you anatheme yourself? It is a vow, I'm quoting from a rabbi, a vow under penalty of removal. Paul uses this word in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. And he says this, If any man does not love Christ, claims to but don't, let him be anathema. Now, that doesn't sound important or significant. Okay, so the guy sort of, you know, put a little self-curse on himself. No, here's what you don't understand. What he actually was said was this, and the Jews there knew what he was saying. Anathema was a form of excommunication, meaning that you were to be banished from the congregation. So when Simon said, let me tell you how I know I don't know him, and I'm going to emphasize this to you. May I be banished from the congregation of Israel, and may I be banished from the congregation of Almighty God if I know this man. And what he actually said was, I asked God in heaven to excommunicate me and banish me if I know him. Now, this put an entire different twist on this idea of him cursing. And when the rooster crowed, he went out and he started weeping because, get, stay with me now, the only person who can put you back in the community is the head rabbi. And his head rabbi is headed to the cross. You better help me preach. His head rabbi is about to die. He can't go to Jesus and say, can you put me back in the house of Israel? Can you put me back in favor with God? Because he has cursed himself out of the congregation. He has cursed himself out of the favor of God. He's cursed himself out, if you please, of the fellowship of the disciples. And the only way that he could get back in is if the head rabbi would forgive him of what he said and put him back in the assembly. Peter thought it was done. He thought it was over. Jesus is dying. I've got myself in a heap of trouble. If Judas committed suicide and hung himself, I'm just like Judas. I ain't got no hope. But what he did not realize is Jesus said, but I've already prayed. Now, we know we know it happens. Je Jesus saw the plot devised by Satan. He desires you. That's the plot. He saw the purpose. The purpose was to sift. But then he already prayed. Because he prayed against the plot and he prayed against the purpose. But there is something really weird and strange. Not in the anathema part but in what Jesus said to him, and you must follow me and pay careful attention to this. Jesus' statement contradicts itself. Mm -hmm. Satan has desired you, but I have prayed for you 
that your faith doesn't fail. Now watch this now. If you put a period there, we're fine. And when you are converted, in order to be converted, you have to fall. Now hold on. My question for Jesus is, you are the sea-walking, dead man raised, a blind eye opener, deaf ear unstopper son of God. Can't you pray to keep the man from falling? It's a contradiction. I've prayed that your faith not fail. He did not say, I pray that you do not fall. He said, I'm praying your faith. See, he knew, you better hear this, that when Peter said anathema, it would destroy his faith. That he would think at that point he's doomed. So Jesus had to pray that his spirit would be undergirded. But my question is, Jesus, this contradicts itself. I have prayed for you. That's your faith. Can you not pray that I will not fall? You tell him you prayed for him, then you imply he's going to fall after you prayed for him. This puzzles me. (laughs) Jesus. Can't you pray a failure away? You can pray a demon out of somebody. You can take a Lazarus who's been dead four days and raise him from the dead. And you can take a storm that nature has on Galilee and you can say, peace be still. And in three words, the waves go back to sleep and the wind goes back across the mountain and the boat makes it to the other side. And you're telling me that you can't pray enough to make me not fail? And the answer would be this. Jesus could say, The strength of Peter's stupidity exceeds the capacity of my prayers. I could pray that you fail not, but failure, Peter, is in you. We ask God to deliver us from a failure when the thing is in our heart. So we don't need a deliverance from the failure. We need a change in the heart. Jesus knew there was something weak about Peter in his spirit life. And he knew there's no sense in me praying that he won't anathema himself because he's stupid at times. He says things that shouldn't come out of his mouth. He's always arrogant. So he's going to anathema himself. So it does mean I'm talking to somebody. We smoke cigarettes for 30 years and then blame God when we get cancer. I'm preaching. 
We take a little toddy for the body when we should just leave the thing alone and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we... And then we wonder why when our kids get drunk and hit somebody head on and hit in jail, how come, God, you didn't stop my boy from doing it? Because your boy saw you doing it growing up. I'm preaching whether you're listening or not. And you want to know why your 16-year-old daughter got pregnant when you're watching R-rated movies on HBO and Showtime coming into your house where everybody's in bed with everybody and you, I just don't understand why God just didn't stop that boy from doing that. God doesn't stop it because your capacity for stupidity exceeds the ability of God. Said another way, what you choose to do, God does not stop your choice. God says if you want to, God says choose you this day whom you will serve. It is Samson's stupidity who brings him to prostitutes on a consistent basis. So are we surprised when he gets a hot-looking chick named Delilah who owns a beauty shop and he lays in her lap and she ends up cutting his hair off, which cuts his covenant off? Are we shocked? No, Samson, your stupidity to hang around prostitutes oversees the capacity of your mom and dad's ability to pray for you that you won't I got the first two rows with me I wish I could get the back of the house with me uh, on this thing <laughs> David is a great example now look at this guy man after God's own heart there's a really there's a verse in the Bible that's always intrigued me because it says this it says in everything David obeyed God <laughs> Now, let's stop for a moment. So, <laughs> that's some weird things David did. <laughs> okay, so he kills a giant. He kills a bear and a lion. But this is the part that really freaks me out when it says he, in, in everything he obeyed God. And I will tell you, it was except with the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So that's what the Bible says. But he cuts off the foreskin of 300 Philistines, puts them in a bag and throws them at Saul's feet. God was in that? Ooh. He goes and eats the shoe bread from the table of shoe bread at the tabernacle, which is only reserved for the priest, and God didn't kill him. Are you kidding me? No, I could talk to you. Is David, David, look, this guy's after God's own heart. This guy's not ashamed. He's a worshiper. He's praising God when nobody's watching. He's writing songs. He's doing all this stuff. And then Bathsheba gets pregnant. And we look up and say, oh, God. How'd you let her get pregnant? Well, how'd you take her to bed? It is a law of physical nature that when a man and woman go to bed and do certain things, she just might come back pregnant. Are we praying for God to do things for us that we might should be doing for ourselves? Are we, are we asking God to intercede and help us with something that he's saying, all you got to do is lay aside the weight? 
or the thing that does so easily beset you, all, all you got to do is just, you lay it aside and just give it up and just go on your way. But somehow, somehow, <laughs> somehow, Jesus says, okay, I know what you're going to do because it's in you. You're going to deny me, Peter, whether you think you're not because it's in you. But what I'm going to do is not pray. God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Not pray that you won't fall. Because, Peter, guess what? <laughs> you're going to fall. And the reason you're going to fall is I know what's in you. But what I'm going to pray is that faith will stay in your heart. You will not quit. You'll not give up. And, and can I say it this way? And Jesus never said it this way, but can I say it this way? And when I'm raised from the grave, that you'll outrun anybody else to get to the graveyard and see that I am not there. Anybody's tracking with me, say, I'm still tracking with you, preacher. Many times we're praying against the will of people. We're asking God to do something that they choose to do or will to do. Many times we're praying against the disobedience of people. Can I just tell all people in this building, and I'm, I'm a people too, can I tell all people in this building that stupidity is in the DNA? The, 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 the day that the medical profession can make a pill to stop stupid, I'll buy the first bottle. Because there's just times I've made dumb decisions. I thought they were the right thing. I thought it was better this way. I thought it could work out that way. You know, God told me one thing, but I tried to figure it out myself and just got myself in a situation that I thought, no, this is stupid. And then you're asking God, why did you let me get in this situation? And God would say, why were you so dumb? Am I preaching to anybody that's had some dumb genes come into your family? Anybody, anybody ever had something stupid? Anybody ever look back and said it wasn't my wife's fault, my kid's fault, it wasn't anybody's fault but mine? Can I get anybody to confess and admit to me that you've done some things? My wife and I seldom fuss, but we have gotten in three in 42. That's not been no, no 38 years. Three, three bad arguments in 38 years is not bad, but till you realize that when three strikes, you're out. <laughs> But we've gotten three, and I would look back on the arguments and realize that they would have never happened if I'd have just shut up. All I had to do was just shut up. Uh, his wife is my executive assistant. We were in the lobby one day, and we got into a fuss. Now, I don't try to fuss in front of staff people. I'll just take in a room and fuss in front of. Uh, but Robbie was standing there. Me and Tammy are going at it, going at it. I looked at Robbie and said, Robbie, would you please take up for me? Defend me. He laughed and said, no, I have to live with her. You understand? That's a wise man. Talk to me, somebody. That's a wise man. Don't take sides. Sometimes we are praying against the desires of people. But let me talk to you for a moment about that your faith would not fail. Can we look at the Greek word fail? Can we look at the Greek word when thou art converted? Because you're going to find something interesting. I have a nugget for you. The word fail in Greek is the Greek word eklepo. It's where we get the word eclipse from. 
like a solar or a lunar eclipse. Now let me explain to you why fail is compared to an eclipse. Because an eclipse is the result of light being concealed. The sun gives you light to know how, where to walk, where to step. Watch out, there's a snake. Don't get near the rattlesnake. Oh my goodness, look, there's a poisonous black widow spider hanging on that tree. I was in Colorado walking, so I know what I'm talking about. Oh my goodness, that, that, that's, that looks like a black bear in the corner. Don't go over there. She got some cubs. You better back up slow. Light is what opens up the vision that you have to danger. Amen. Oh my goodness, it's, it's a car with no lights on at night. Look out, you might hit it. But in the daytime... I won't have the accident because I can see when the truck pulled in front of me. I can see the guy in front of me. So as long as there's light, but a clay pole is the eclipse that comes that blocks the light. And when the light in you and the light in this case, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I've hid the word. Now, wait a minute. The light in my heart that I wouldn't sin against God. So the light's the key here. But the fail, fail. You, Peter, I pray that your faith does not fail. Failure is when we cover the light that we have. It is when we hide from the light and we hide in the darkness, the eclipse, when the light is concealed, when the light is hidden, that's when we fail because we start walking in the darkness instead of the light ready but when thou art converted you ready for the word converted it actually means to come again so what comes again when you're converted the light a backslider will remain a backslider as long as they're in darkness. You can preach. You can show them scripture. You can show them danger. And they won't listen. They won't listen. When my boy was on drugs for nine years, I tried everything I could, including scaring him. And when you are addicted to drugs, nothing scares you. I'm serious. You are so twisted, and the drug affects the reasoning so bad. One, one night, and I, he, he's heard me tell this, so he's okay with it, because I told my boy, son, I don't ever want to embarrass you, but you got a testimony. So it's time to use that testimony to help somebody else. But one night at 3 in the morning, my phone rings, and it's two police officers at my yard. And they said, Reverend Stone, we hate to wake you up, but we got your boy out here. And I thought, oh, Lord, what did he do? We didn't even know he slipped out of the house. Well, what they were doing in Cleveland, they had a guy at a Harry's convenience store who would hang out. He was an older man, and he'd go buy beer for the kids under, seven, under 18, and he'd take two beer and give them the others. And, kids, and that's what my son was doing, and we didn't know it. Now, my son was drunk. Now, listen, this is, now this is the stupid gene. And a baby deer goes out in front of him and he hits the deer in the neighborhood, in my neighborhood. He's in the neighborhood, parks the car and calls the police. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Now, wait a minute, son. 
you're 17, you're drunk. Okay? You just hit a deer. You wouldn't hit the deer if you were drunk. Well, I can't say that because I hit one. I wasn't drunk. I guess I can't say that. But then now you're going to call the police to come to the house. And the police said, we checked his license. I went outside. They said, we checked his license. He's underage. He's drinking. And said, we, we got to do one or two things. And said, we love you, Brother Stone. We know you. They were church folks. They said, we got to do one or two things. We either got to find him or take him to jail. And I looked and said, I'm tired. Take him to jail. Wow. Now, you think that was easy to do? And see, the people say, oh, did that embarrass you as a minister? No. My kids more mean more to me than me worrying about what some sanctified, self-righteous saint says. But I can't believe Perry Stone's son went to jail because he was drunk. My wife, my wife and I laid in the bed and cried. Because I've never been to jail in my life, and I didn't know what he was experiencing. And when he was getting in that car, he told me to blank off. And he said, I hate you. I'll never talk to you again. And I said, the devil is a liar. You'll talk to me next time you need $10 of gas money. I know how you are. Have fun in jail. And look, it was tough, I'm telling you. Because see, people think preachers got... We may personally have it together. We think, you know, their family got it all together and they're always blessed and they ain't got no problem. Are you kidding me? You kidding me? But I knew when he, I'm, I'm talking to some parents here maybe, but he would come to me. He would come to me from time to time and he would, he would make outlandish statements and I could tell it was, he's a little off, he's a little high, it's a spirit. And I said, that ain't my boy talking. I said, that's the spirit talking. I ain't talking to a devil. Now, let me talk to my boy. Shut up, devil. Let me talk to my boy. And he didn't know what to do with me. And I told him one day, I said, there ain't nothing you can do to make me love you less. So you can cuss me out and do what you want to do, but I'm still going to love you. I don't care what you do. All I'm trying to do is keep you from dying and going to hell young. First of all, you ain't dying and going to hell because God didn't give me a boy to die and go to hell. I used to tell him all the time, God gave me a boy to carry on my name and I kept fighting and kept holding on but I'd pray not that his faith would not fail but I would pray that the enemy would not take him out prematurely that the devil would have no power to put him in a hospital I saw him I saw him one time he confessed to taking 70 pills and I'm in an, I'm in an emergency room with his heart beating 200 beats a minute and him looking at me saying daddy you can't let me die tonight Nine years of that. But when you come again, I knew the light, I knew the light wasn't on. Come on, the light bulb wasn't on. He's walking in darkness, but I kept praying. I got a word from God one day where somebody said, Perry, the Lord spoke to me and said, your boy's going to go to bed one night and one way and wake up different the next morning. I said, oh, okay, I received that. I do not know what happened. He won't talk about it. But one morning when the sun was coming up and he'd been up all night long, he came down in his shorts and an old beat up t-shirt and he said, Dad, I don't know why, but I don't want to live this way the rest of my life. I don't want to work in a restaurant cooking and washing dishes the rest of my life. I have made some stupid decisions. And I said to myself, great God, the eclipse is over. Talk to me, somebody. The eclipse is over. The, 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 woo! 
the sun's about to shine. The darkness is about to lift. And the same boy that told me to F off a hundred times and said I'll never be a preacher and never work in the ministry sits in the back of OCI and runs the media department, does my commercials, helps on my Facebook page, goes to India and preaches to orphans. And I'm about to have a grandbaby in four weeks. Hallelujah. And she going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I got her a microphone so when she's a baby she can eat a microphone and grow up knowing she going to preach to. The devil is a liar. Come on somebody. You got to hold on to your faith. Don't let your faith fail. Don't let your faith give up. Don't not Hallelujah. Woo! Jesus. I'm almost done. I got two things to tell you. I'm almost done. I'm almost done because I know you got a second service. I know I'm almost done. See. Let me talk to you. I'm gonna talk to you about I'm gonna talk to you about two things. Ready? Number one, your failure did not shock God. You know why? Because he already knows what your weakness is. He already knows the anger you deal with. He already knows the frustration you live under. So God doesn't sit on his stone. They did what? Now I'm going to prove this to you. I was in a car with a man who's a counselor that has a PhD in counseling. He has counseled hundreds of transvest uh, people that are transvestites, homosexuals, uh, the gay lifestyle, and he's a professional counselor. And we, we got in the conversation about a well-known minister. This was years ago. And this guy was known all over the world, reaching people all over the world, and he had a really bad moral failure. And then the question arose from a theological perspective, why would God call someone to preach if he knew in his sovereignty that they could fall that far? And he replied back to me, here's the amazing thing. God in his sovereignty knew he would fall that fall and still called him. Oh my God. Oh my God. Because the same man repented publicly. Now, he, he's not at the same level because the, the book of Proverbs tells you that will happen. He's not at the same level, but he's still reaching people and is a great, has a great ministry. Now, here's my point. We look at different people and we see their situations. And we don't understand that the main thing is this. Jesus said it. Knowing what was coming. That the main thing is you can't. Let your faith fail. You have to still believe God cares about me despite this. God still loves me despite this. I'm going to make it through this despite this. Am I preaching to somebody in this house that needs this this morning? I got to tell you a sad story. And then I'm, gonna I'm almost done. I'm going to tell you. I got three quick points. I can get them through in a minute and a half in just a minute. Many years ago, there was a minister that I did not know him. I never met him. He started preaching in the 30s and 40s and 50s. But he was 19 years of age. The Church of God General Assembly let him preach. And a pastor told me that as he preached, he could quote 300 scriptures on the Holy Ghost. And the power of God fell. And every preacher in the building fell out under the power at the General Assembly in the 1930s. 
In the 1940s, he had a healing revival ministry. In the 1950s, he had the biggest church in the United States at the Met in Philadelphia, and 10,000 members in Philadelphia were members of his church at the Met in the time when there were no mega churches anywhere in the world. But this man had a problem. He had a drinking problem. And he lived in the back of this church locked up, and he would get so depressed he would drink, and then on Saturdays he would sober up and come out and pray. He'd repent. Every Saturday he'd repent and come out and preach. And he did this over and over and over and over. <clears throat> when, they, when he got toward the end of his life, a dear friend of mine who's an old tent preacher went to see him because he got concerned about him. Now this is sad, but I want to show you that this man had an understanding of faith. I'm not saying he made it or didn't made it. I can't judge him, but I will tell you what he said to the preacher. He said, I know that my entire life, mostly because of my depression, I had a problem. And it was alcohol. He said, I know that. And he said, I know God knows that. But he said, I hope that God in my latter year will hear my prayer as I repent one more time. And if I stand before him, I will be able to say, now listen to this. This is so powerful in the sense of the word. I never denied your name. I never denied the Holy Ghost. I never denied the gifts. I never denied the Word. I never denied the power of God. I never denied the healing of God. He went down through 25 things that not one thing did I ever deny. He understood one thing. I struggled my whole life. And he did repent, by the way, at the very end and really came clean. I just want to make that clear. But listen to me. He struggled his whole life, but he knew I never would let the enemy take my faith now do I, do I believe you have to st struggle all your life no and let me make that clear God is able to deliver you from anything at any time at any place if you have the will to do it so I don't want you to think I'm going to have to live with my struggle my weakness the rest of my life don't want you to think that because God is a deliverer he that the sun sets free is free indeed but he knew one thing no matter how I get hit, I will not, and I refuse to deny the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the gifts of the Spirit. You've got to absolutely hold on to your faith. Peter did three things. He went through the repentance stage. He wept, godly sorrow worketh repentance. Number two, he went through the restoration phase. Now watch this. He put a manathema on himself only the head rabbi can take it off. So he gets with the head rabbi, the new high priest of heaven, who is Jesus Christ at the Sea of Galilee. Peter, you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, feed my lambs. Peter, you love me more than these? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He denied him three times. And the head rabbi, the new high priest, looked at him and asked him three times, do you love me? He said, yes, People don't realize what Jesus was doing there. The head rabbi, the high priest of heaven, removed the anathema self-curse that Peter had placed on himself. And the same man that about 500 feet away to 1,000 feet away 
denied the Lord near Caiaphas' house, stands up on the day of Pentecost and preaches a message that gets 3,000 saved. Does anybody believe in restoration? Does anybody believe when you convert, the light comes back on? Does anybody believe that God can take the dark? When a man by the name of Samson had lost his covenant, lost his covering, which was his hair, blind, bound, and going round and round. What a sermon. Had lost it all. He felt his hair grow back, and that wasn't just hair growing back. That was seven locks that represent a Nazarite vow coming back. And all he said was this, remember me one more time. Just once. And the spirit that left him that he never felt for months and months hit him at one time. And this man who failed is listed in the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Because he had a comeback and the light came back on. When the thief on the cross who was a sinner all of his life only has probably 30 minutes to live. And looks at Jesus and says, will you remember me? You know, this is weird because he didn't say, I am a sinner. And Jesus say, pray with me. Our Father, Father, I ask you, I ask you. You know, isn't it weird? We pray sinner's prayer, which is fine. I do that. Have people repeat a prayer. He didn't, he didn't one time repent for being a sinner. Well, that'll mess up theology. But you know what he said? Lord, he recognizes who he is. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know what happened? Faith came into his heart instantly with what he believed. We sometimes think we have to go through a different process. I, a Jewish businessman who's been watching Manifest for years, he's a lawyer for the NFL. He's, he, 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 uh, I say he'd been, his wife's been watching it. He said, I don't want nothing to do with Christian preachers. Took him what, two years of watching my program. He just walks in one day and says, I just want you to know that I believe in the Messiah you believe in. Now, that may not mean a lot to you, but for a Jewish person, he just confessed his faith in Christ. He didn't go to a church. He didn't go to an altar. But out of his mouth, with the heart man belief from the righteous, with the mouth confessions made to salvation. Yes, I'm not minimizing repentance because we're going to do it here in a minute. But I want to make a point that when he said, remember me, do you know what the opposite of remember is? Yeah, to forget. But it also means to dismember. Yes. Ready? Because to remember not only means to recall, it can also mean in its original word, to put it back together. So the final thing I will say to you is an old thief on the cross, been a sinner all his life, 30 minutes probably from his final moments, looks at Jesus, realizes who he was, perhaps had heard the stories, perhaps had heard people testify, and looks over and says, hey, I'm messed up. Is it a possibility, Lord, that you can put this old boy back together again? I messed up. Can you, can, you, can you put me back together? He said, put you back together. What you talking about? Today, you'll be with me. And the Bible says that Jesus went to the bowels of the earth and preached to the spirits in prison, gave gifts unto men. And when Jesus gets to talking to the people in paradise who were righteous souls and said, I was on the cross, there's a man behind him saying, I was there. 
and my blood was shed. And he said, mm, it's true. And David's on the Hammond organ down there. Oh, I'm just preaching it the way I want to. But there was a man to testify that it was all true because that day he went with Jesus to paradise. Do you need God to put you back together again? Do, have you had an eclipse spiritually in your life? Do you have something you battle that you want God to take and restore you into the light? Stand up if you know what I'm talking about. If you know, only you that know what I'm talking about. Thank you, hon. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Would you come to the front? Can we do this? Come to the front real quick because I believe in altar calls. Hallelujah. Come on to the front, right down here where I've been preaching. And if you will, I want you just to stand up across the front. I know the church has a prayer team, I'm sure. So God bless you, sir, and this precious sister. You know, you know, I know, I know a lot of us, a lot of us in this first service are going to be believers, which is fine. But, but you heard the word and God had me by the spirit preach this. I had another word. He said, no, I want you to talk about faith. I want you to talk about the eclipse. I want you to talk about restoration. I want you to talk about restoration. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody that is on the prayer team, come on up to the front, please. And get, if you will, I think what we'll do is come, come across the front and just, just uh, 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 the prayer team spread out across the front here. And I want everybody to stand in the name of the Lord right now in, in the building, if you will, please. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Those of you that are down here, I want you to lift your hands and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I want you to repeat it after me from your heart. Repeat it from your heart. Say it out loud and and then and then the prayer team's going to minister to you say this out loud heavenly father in jesus name thank you for your word lord today you know my life you know everything about it you've seen the areas where i have failed i could have done better but i failed and i'm asking you god forgive me for those times in my life that i failed in whatever area you see, God, where I have failed, forgive me for that. But today, in Jesus' name, bring the light of truth and of the gospel into my heart. Peel away any hardness that's in my heart and touch me to be sensitive to your voice and to your spirit one more time. In Jesus' name. Go lay hands on them right now, everybody. And everybody in the building, would you raise your hands while they're praying? I want, to, I want to pray for those in the congregation. Spirit of God, as we raise our hands today, I believe that what I have said is important. I believe what I have said is from, from the Holy Spirit. I believe that what you have given me is for somebody in this place, many people that are here. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray joy of the Lord to maintain upon the men and women. I pray for strength to come in the name of Jesus. I pray the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name will break the yoke and break the captivity, break the bondage of the enemy, and let there be life. I speak life. I speak life in the name of Jesus to every one of these men and women that are in the front. God, right now, men and women that are in the building, we speak the life of God. We speak the joy of the Lord. We speak the power of the Holy Ghost. Let the Spirit of God break forth in this place. 
and let the breakthrough come and the anointing come and the power of God come in Jesus' name to bring liberty and bring freedom in the body and in the spirit and in the mind of every man and woman that are here. We speak faith, God, that by faith it will happen. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God, protect us from harm and danger and disabling accidents. God, protect the people in this building, God. We pray the protective prayer of God as they follow you, as they're obedient to you, Heavenly Father, that there'll be supernatural protection that will come to every child and the unborn, God, those that have not made it here yet. Protect the mothers. Protect the unborn. God, give a smooth birth to all the women that are going to have babies in the next three to six months. Oh, in the name of Jesus, we call the blessing and favor of God down. In the name of Jesus. In the name of... Lay hands on him in the altar. Begin to pray for him right now. God, we believe it right now. God, let faith come. Let peace come. Let the peace that passes all understanding come. In the name, in the name, peace come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Touch the men and the women. Now, everyone, everyone in the congregation, would you raise your hands to the Lord one more time? As, go ahead, go ahead, and raise your hands. Oh, let's thank Him for forgiveness. Come on, lift those hands up right now and bless Him. Thank Him for an atmosphere, for a promise. Come on, He's a forgiving God, a cleansing God. Can we thank Him today? Sins are forgiven. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. I read last night, I was reading before I went to bed, and I know now why the Lord led me to this scripture. It's over in 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he said that he had previously come to the church there was a man there that was engaged in sin Paul said that brother repented and returned to God now you restore him and encourage him lest his soul be overcome with grief for we're not ignorant of Satan's devices and here's what Paul says whatever sins he committed I forgive him of those sins and you should forgive him too. He doesn't mean that Paul was God and Paul was the one who could actually remove his sin. What Paul was saying is, I have the power to communicate to that believer that has returned and repented that when he asks God to forgive him, I have the power to let him know they are forgiven. And I just want to let everyone that come to this altar and everyone that wanted to but didn't, I want to let you know when you ask God to forgive you, I don't care how you feel, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven you. Every sin you turn from and ask God to forgive, somebody ought to get happy today and praise God for that. Somebody just take, take a minute 
Tell two or three people next to you your sins are forgiven in Jesus. Come on. Just let them know that your sins are forgiven. You don't have to walk out of here heavy. You don't want to have to walk out of here burdened. You don't have to walk out of here dealing with something. Your sins are forgiven you. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. Hallelujah. Listen, I want everybody that will, they're praying. I want them to continue to pray. I want everyone that will to help me give today. And listen, I believe in sowing into good soul. How many received and thank God for this word Perry Stone preached today? Can we thank God for it and tell Brother Perry how grateful we are for his ministry and for the anointing on his life? A very powerful word, powerful teaching. You know this, Perry is on television. He's all over the world preaching this same kind of truth to people and bringing the the power of God into people's lives. through man. Anybody ever watch Manifest? How many have ever seen Brother Perry Oman? Yeah, he's doing an amazing work. He's doing an amazing work with the young generation. Warrior Fest, I've had the privilege of preaching there several times for Brother Perry. And it's amazing the ministry God's given him. And he does all of that without charging people. He didn't charge anything to come here today. He just walks by faith. How many want to help me bless him before he leaves? Say amen if you believe in sowing good seed. I want you to join Devin and I and this family, this church family. We're going to give today. And I want you, if you're giving online, you can go to offering. There's a, sub, there's a subcategory called special offering or special guests. I want you to give to Brother Perry. Everything we give in this offering right now is going to go toward bringing him here and being a part of blessing the, the work of uh, Voice of Evangelism, which is literally all over the world. And I want him to leave blessed. How many ought to believe he ought to leave blessed today? Say amen. So if you're giving by text, you can prepare to do that. If you want to come and give it now, just make sure you mark on your envelope, Perry Stone. We'll make sure it gets to him. I want everybody to give generously. When you participate in blessing someone like this, then every reward and every soul saved that he experiences when he goes across this earth to preach, I believe God somehow in his goodness credits that back to your account for sending a man. How shall they go? How shall they hear except someone preach, and how shall they preach except someone be sent? How many want to help send him to the next place? Say amen. So today, let's bless him. He pours out so much into a younger generation, into an older generation. He's getting ready to build a camp up on the north end of Cleveland, and we want to be a part. I just want to bless him today. This is a good house. God's been good to this house. Amen. And I believe we ought to bless him with a very generous seed today. Let's all sow. Oh, thank you, Lord. Someone in this place today is going to sow toward that work of their children. The same thing that happened in his, I believe the Lord said this to me, and he just reminded me of it. The same thing that happened for Perry Stone with his son, and I know him very well. It's amazing what God done in his life and turned him around. I believe there's some parents in here that need to sow. Amen into this moment and say, you know what, God, you did it for Perry, and I'm believing that you're going to move on my son. You're going to move on my daughter. How many believe God will answer seed that we put in the ground? Say amen, somebody. Let's get the best seed that we can and give to our friend today. Father, bless this offering we're now going to receive. It is above and beyond what we've already given, and we give it today to the work of the kingdom, the advancing of the kingdom, this anointing on Perry's life. We sow into it now, and we participate in this, and we ask for your blessing on it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's bring our offering today and bless this man of God. Listen, tonight at midnight, the fast begins, and this Wednesday night, 
It's an all-generation service. We're having a revival service Wednesday at 7 p.m. Don't miss it. Come and be a part of Signs and Wonders. We'll see you Wednesday night. We love you. Go in the peace of the Lord today. Ruach Conference is October 24th through the 26th. Join with pastors and leaders as we gather for equipping during the day with labs and teaching sessions and encountering His presence at night. Bishop T.D. Jakes from the Potter's House, Dallas, Texas, will be joining us along with Joseph Garlington, Tony Miller, William McDowell, Jim Rayleigh, and Pastors Kevin and Devin Wallace. You can register now at RuachConference.com.